0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
0: Welcome to 94 and More, presented by Bristol Studio. While a basketball court might be 94 feet, we believe it's limiting to solely look at this beautiful game as a sport. In our minds, it's closer to an art form, even a tool through which we can study the world and learn about ourselves. I'm your host, Jake Fenster, and on this podcast, we will explore the game of basketball, not only as a sport, but as a dynamic force that influences culture, builds bridges, and has the ability to shape our national conversation. Hope you enjoy. As always, Feel free to reach out to us at 94 at bristol studio.com and follow us on Instagram at bristol studio and at 94 and more podcast. All right, let's get into the show. Today I am here with Vic. Vic, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, bro, I'm doing great. I'm uh, pretty happy we just got off a uh, little losing seat there. And we're finally back in the winning seat. So it feels good.
0: What was, uh, in your opinion, like what was some of the stuff that was going on that was contributing to that like little losing streak you guys have
1: uh, I think there's a lot of things man you know like this season has been so interesting because you know we had the huge road trip um it's so obviously just been on the road the whole time but then coming back and you might think it's like easier coming back home and you get your routines back but you know it's even more pressure because in this league everyone wants to beat Perth everyone wants to play in, in the arena with all the fans and and that's like their Super Bowl every game, right? Like the teams that are in the playoffs, teams that are buying for playoff spots, and even the bottom teams, you come to that arena and you're playing as hard as you possibly can for the entire game. Because as long as you win in that arena, like, you know, you yeah. feel some sort of accomplishment. Um, but I don't know, like we had we had some back and forth, like our third import spot um, that just might have been a distraction with the team. We um, had inju- have had injuries, like just a ton of stuff, right? And um, I think it's good that we finally got back on the horse and, and got things rolling again because it has been a long season. But I think we're, we're finally starting to trend back upwards.
0: What are some of those things, I guess, like from a, a basketball standpoint, right? Like some of the things that you guys noticed you corrected uh, in this last game that finally got you out of that, that slump?
1: I think we started playing better defense, honestly. Like I think before our defense just had kind of been – I think our effort was there, but I think it, it like – playing with kind of like some basketball intelligence and executing our game plan. It, it just wasn't there. And specifically me, I, I think, um, you know, just down the stretch of these, some of these games, like I was making some critical errors that um, definitely could have been avoided like I do the game for a steal or just trying to make the home run play instead of saying like solid, you know, throughout the whole defensive possession. And, uh, you know, usually I'm one one of the key guys or, impacting the defense in in such a way that, you know, I I can't really afford to to be doing that. So, you know, just, you know, the the one thing I've always, you know, thought this season is just control what you can control. And, you know, as as long as I'm doing my part and trying to help, you know, keep my spot on the floor right, you know, I'm helping my team. And I just feel like the last of games, I've I've just been a little bit too undisciplined defensively um, to really cost two winning.
0: I think that that is – Really important. I think you know you're talking about holding yourself accountable, and I think if you look at your your numbers statistically, you're what probably having your best professional season, basically. Probably second have. best. I would say my season, no, probably my best. Statistically,
1: but probably my
0: best. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right there then. You're right there then, and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing a lot of minutes. This is your back off of your your surgery. You know, it's a full year in. Right. Like, I think that's really incredible that you have the ability to still hold yourself accountable for that. Like, where do you think that that started? You think that's something you've always kind of been like hard on yourself, holding yourself accountable no matter what, like always looking at the things you could have done better. Like, where where did that come from?
1: Well, I think um, just from an early age, like my family's really big into basketball I'm from a basketball family. And um, I just remember when I was younger, like good game, bad game, you know, my sister, my, my parents were always super tough on me no matter what I did, like, good or bad. Like, their criticism and their, you know, notes from the game were always pretty, pretty heavy. And so now I don't really feel right unless I'm, like, giving myself those same game notes. And growing up as a basketball player, like, you guys, know, you know, I was always, like, the glue guy or defensive guy. Yeah, on the the team, guy. I wasn't really oh, – yeah. yeah, I wasn't, like, the number one scoring option um, my whole career. And yeah, even now, I'm not the number can't one. Can't be but, three
0: and D without the three. You know.
1: No, nah, well, you can't. That's that's a quote that'll live with me forever. <laughs> but um, you know, I just was never really counted on like to, to score like that. And so earlier in my career, like I the way I felt like I impacted the game was defensively, you know, getting blocked, getting steals, guarding up. Like that's how I felt like I could really impact the game. And so now like, you know, I don't wanna lose that that side of, of me, um, and being a two way player. You know, I'm I'm happy the Offense is definitely there, but, you know, defensively is re- really where I, like, take a lot of my pride.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, look, I'm, I'm no professional basketball player, but let me tell you, I play defense. Yeah, I that's the hard of that's the game right there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you,
0: you can't – you just can't not play defense. I don't know. There's something about the mentality, right, of, um, you know, everyone wants to be an offensive player. It's sexier. Mm-hmm. You know, you you – putting up 30 points looks better than – something that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. You know, if you're just guarding somebody well, defending off ball, uh, you know, rotating, helping like to an untrained basketball eye, that's not going to get much attention. Um, And there are
1: a lot of untrained basketball eyes. Yes. uh, You just see
0: people, you just see people put up 35 or 45 and like that gets all the attention. But, um, you know, I think there's something about the defensive integrity, right? Like actually caring about stopping, you know, stopping somebody taking that, Mm -hmm. that ownership, um you know playing for your team there there's something in that that i think is is really important and like for you you're saying that was always the thing that you valued and and had you know placed an emphasis on but like how do you remember like how that happened like was there a coach or anything that you remember that stood out and was like drilled that into you or do you think is that just inherent you just felt that way from the jump the first time you touched the basketball
1: yeah i don't know i i, I um I feel like it might've just been inherent that I just really wanted to play defense and it could have just been the way I was brought up. You know, like I said, I was never really the guy, even on my like middle school teams, like, you know, I played on a team with the coach's son um, and, you know, obviously the coach wanted to put the ball in his son's hands and do stuff like that. So, you know, my dad was never the type to really be like, you know, get all in frustration coach's face and anything. So the way he would tell me to fight the game is if I was open shooting, but really to play defense, And to do what I could, rebound, rebound the hell out of the ball, defend. Like, those are all things you can control, right? Like, a coach can't stop you from doing that stuff. And uh, just kind of growing up, like, especially being from Chicago, I feel like, like, when you're going to the parks, you're playing one-on-ones or whatever. Like, it's just, you take a pride in, like, not letting somebody score on you, right? Like, that's just, like, the thing. And I remember back in the day, like, shit, I wasn't scoring either. But I I know my guy wasn't going to score and so, you know, maybe that's just something like that I inherently was, was grown up with and like kind of brought up on. But, you know, I also like back in the day, I used to always love uh, Jordan and Pippen and maybe like Pippen a little bit more. I don't know as much now you know, with, with what Scotty's been doing, but I remember back in the day, like I used to love seeing those two play defense and like I knew the offense was always there and I knew that like, that was cool and the dunks and everything. But I just loved how they defended and how they got all the steals and got in the fast break.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, and I think maybe you know, I guess you could probably point to players that didn't play a lot of defense still in any era or you know from that era. But I think when you also look at basketball today, um, the way it's changed, right? It's so offensive, or it's so the offensive player is favored, extremely. Offensive, yeah, exactly. Free throw line for every little tic tac call. They they kind of adjusted that. Thank God. Because um, last year was pretty brutal to watch, like Trey Young mm-hmm. just pump faking and, and everyone flying and, and jumping into them. But
1: you, you know, know it's funny why why is he the like the poster boy of that? Of well, sorry, he just, just popped Trey, in my head. Harden think... and Embiid still shoot tons of, free James, Harden, like some of those same
0: James Harden was was really my least favorite to watch, to be honest, because mm-hmm. um, he really sold it. At least Trey, like yeah. Trey, actually like used the rule in his favor and like mm-hmm. jumped into the contact. James Harden, when you watch him sometimes, is, like, selling it, which I guess is still, you know, playing into the rule. But that was harder. That's just harder for me to watch. I don't really enjoy watching that, not taking anything away from his game. But, like, there was a point where it was really out of hand. Um, but I guess what I was saying was looking at the game today, the offensive player is, is so favored that it's, like, you cannot play defense and you know get away with it a little bit in the NBA if you're that good of an offensive um, you know player right that is something that will continue like you think this new era of kids kind of growing up like will grow into be more offensive players just because of the way the game is set up You think that's part of just the current culture of of basketball
1: so I don't know I I feel like um and what you're saying yes I think basketball as a sport is evolving into much more of a bat, like an offensive game like the freedom of movement stuff is definitely yeah. geared to the offense um like the spacing of the game now like you're seeing like i don't want to say the death of the center but like unless you're super gifted on the low post like now everyone wants to be five out um it's just different right like people are valuing analytics and shooting more threes and all that stuff more so i would say in into in a part of your argument yes like Offense definitely is something that is needed and the game is, like, gearing towards. But I'll also say, like, when you look at um, some of the highest paid, like, players in the NBA, like, outside of your stars, right? Like, take the stars out, right? And you're looking at role guys. The role guys that get paid the most are the ones that play defense, right? Because on every NBA team or freshman team, you got your one or two scores and you need the other guys to play defense. Like, you need to play defense or be able to shoot the three at, like, such, at such yeah. a great – you know, clip. so I would. You know, my my like argument to tell younger players is, you know, you need to develop offensively. You need to develop your game as best you can. But defensively, like, there's a need for that, right? Because the game is shifting towards offense. There is such an innate need for defenders and people that can try and stop the players that are like working so heavily on their offensive game.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think it's actually a good transition because I know our last episode with Tino, we spoke a bit about you know, different coaching styles specifically in college basketball and, uh, the tournament, we all kind of had our picks and and went through uh, our brackets. What do you think about some of these guys that are, you know, the next group of NBA players, this draft class, like, is there anyone that kind of sticks out to you? And like, what about their game sticks out to you?
1: Yeah, I didn't really watch college basketball. It's tough. I should have this year. Well, I did watch the tournament. Um, and there's a ton of guys that I love. Like, I liked Sancero from Duke. I feel like this draft is just full of, like, you know, long, versatile forwards. Um, and it's really interesting. Like, you know, there's a lot of ambiguity around the one, two, and three picks. But yeah. um, I do I do get to – you know what? I You know what? I can speak about it. I do get to play against guys like Uzmani Diang and Hugo Basson. Like, we played them last night. And they're both in the, the draft class. And Luke Travers was on my team.
0: Yeah.
1: Is in this upcoming draft class and you know I, I think there's a lot of um, talent up and coming in I think what you're seeing now in, in uh, basketball and especially the NBA is like a need for versatile forwards like I still feel like that's like the hot position
0: it's like yeah. a long
1: versatile athlete who can kind of guard the two through the four maybe even the five like they're that you know, you know big and athletic to move that way um, but I think when teams are, like, looking at attractive body types and, and positions, they want, like, a 3-4 that can really kind of move up and down the scale of position and guard, multiple positions and shoot and dribble. Um, you know, it's not so much, like, kind of little guards anymore. Yeah. And like I said, as far as centers go, like, you really have to be, like, super special. Like, you have to be, I want to say, like, 20 and 10 a night. Like, you got to be, like, almost an automatic basket if they give you the ball in the post um and so it's interesting like kind of seeing who the draft like favors like when they do their like rankings and stuff but you can just you can see in this draft class like the one through three are all versatile along athletes who yeah it's four or five maybe the three yeah
0: or the top five are power forwards and the point guard is you know that people have is Jaden ivy is six four um yeah and i think yeah i think you're right i think it is really interesting and I'm curious what your thoughts are on Chet Holmgren because I, I haven't watched a lot of him. Um, mm-hmm. But I think just looking at his game and, like, his build, he's such a unicorn. Like, it just – what are your takeaways from watching him, you know, a little bit in the tournament? Like, where how do you see him fitting into the NBA?
1: It's interesting because I feel like everyone's kind of uh, got this, like, enigma around, like, how he looks. Like, super skinny. He's kind of hunched over. Yeah. So, I'm sure, like, once he stands, like, all the way up, like, he's – probably like seven, one, seven, two, but uh, you know, he averaged 14, 10 and two. And it looks like, you know, he shot 60%, 40, three. Like, I don't know. That's just like a quick little, like anyone yeah. can like Google those stats, but I watched actually a couple of their games, and it seems like he just, he understands like how to play yeah. off the ball. And I, I guess maybe that's like a, a Gonzaga thing. Like, you know, he doesn't really need the ball and they run a system where everyone's moving but it's good because I feel like once he gets drafted to whatever team he gets drafted to, I'm hoping he gets drafted to a team that has like playmakers, right. Where he doesn't have to be like the, the guy, you know, right away, where they don't just have to give it to him and say, all right, now you have to score 30 a night because that role can get very intimidating and, you know, pressure pack pretty early. But, you know, I feel like the way he plays, if he, if he can be a lobster, if he can be a guy that can play off spacing and other really good playmakers, like, I feel like he'll be really good. Like, Maybe he'd be really good on on the Pistons or the Thunder because they ha- already have playmaking, right? You have K. E. on the Pistons, and then you have Giddy and uh, Shea on the Thunder. So I think, yeah, kind of going going to be a Zim, like. You look at his body. Like I feel like with age, he'll fill out. He'll naturally get bigger in the NBA. Um, maybe he grows into his body a little bit more, right? Like he's still super young, so you know I I don't I don't think he's that much of a boomer bust pick. Like I feel like Chet. We'll be pretty good for quite some
0: time. I think what you're talking about, though, it just applies on a, on a deeper level to all players and, like, really all sports. You're talking a lot more about fit, you know, not mm-hmm. being, not forcing him into a position that he's not comfortable being, but allowing him to play his game, uh, which right. has a unique game and ability. And he is, you know, 7 1 with you know, whatever his wingspan is. And he can move and, and rotate and help. Like, he's, and he clearly has the knowledge, like, basketball IQ. Right. So, talking about is is any player really can go into the wrong situation and and end up not working out um mm-hmm. and I guess I think then I want to jump into the NBA anyways which is a good segue you know the Lakers <laughs> I have to Your team I have to do this and I just okay. I don't want to do it but I feel like we talked about this at the beginning of the year the Lakers just blew my mind with how they played basketball Like, I really – just blew your mind, huh? It was just hard to watch, miserable to watch. I I don't remember the last time I've seen – Look, we had bad Lakers teams, 100%. Yeah, you know, in the last, what, 10 years. and um, But this one, to me, really did stand out. And I think it's because we have LeBron James and, you know, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis. I know people were hurt in all lineups, and we had the most lineups ever. But I don't really remember, at least to, to my memory, a team that would be down by 30 points so much. Just, and, and, and not just be down, but like not look like they wanted to try to come back. That was hard to watch. And I think that feels like a lot, of, a lot of it has to do with fit, you know, who they have in there around LeBron James. LeBron James was having to put up 50 points for them to win games um, or be competitive. And it's just, you know, I think what you're talking a lot about in, in this conversation is kind of leading to is there's so much more. <laughs> Than just talent, right? Like in the NBA level, right. like everybody's talented. Like the system, they're the type of players that are brought into the system. Uh, you know, from your experience, how much do you think that had to really do with the Lakers' season being such a, a bust and them falling out of, you know, play the, the bubble? Not even the, I mean, the, uh, the playing game, not the bubble, the playing game. Well, here, I'll
1: answer that, but I want to ask you a question first. So, kind of going with what Anthony Davis said, they have more starting lineups than they did wins. Do you think if you take out a lot of those injuries, do you think the Lakers are a high seed in the playoffs?
0: I don't think they're a high seed. I, I really don't. Um,
1: but you think they Because make even, when they,
0: even when they were health, like healthier, right, even if they had everybody, they didn't look great. And that looked like right. chemistry, fit, energy. Um, you could watch body language. Like, they kind of pointed at each other. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's always a bad sign. Like, I don't care – I don't mind losing games. Like, I, I, don't, I think losing can be good uh, at times mm-hmm. because it can force you to wake up and like adjust. And, and But when you watch sometimes how they lost yeah. and the way that they hung their heads or like kind of like pointed at each other when mistakes were made, right? that to me was alarming, no matter how healthy they were. I mean, you can look at that from a one game standpoint where they're healthy. Like they never looked super dominant in any one category at any point of any game, to be honest. like right. I, that I can say, oh, I never looked at them and said, this look if we play like this we're a championship team this season i don't remember that once i remember that Mm -hmm. last season last season earlier on in the year when they were like i think the first in the west and then there were some injuries and they kind of fell apart totally i can see that but this year it just didn't didn't feel the same your turn
1: Mm -hmm. yeah man i think chemistry and and fit definitely play a role in in the whole grand scheme of things like i feel like um I think everyone can kind of lose this. I feel like LeBron plays the best around shooters, and I I think like I love I personally love Westbrook, but yeah. I feel like a lot of people didn't really like the move when it first happened because LeBron has never showed like in his career I feel like the propensity to be off the ball like he's not really an off the ball guy right like he usually especially now in this in this phase of like his game like it shifts to be in the point guard. Or someone that brings the ball up and carries the ball a lot, and I feel like um, Westbrook is also a ball dominant guard, and so it was always going to be an interesting dynamic and one that I was very intrigued to see how Vogel and the Lakers kind of use. As to, okay, are they going to take turns in doing this? Are they going to share the load? Like, how are they going to use LeBron off the ball? Like, will he post up more? I think they found like a little bit of, of something in, in that little stretch there when LeBron was center. Like, I'm sure LeBron didn't want to play five because that's super yeah. taxing on your body to have to guard NBA centers. But, like, they were – in that little stretch, they went on a little wing run when he was the five, and they just played with pace and space, you know. Like, that was something that worked for them. Yeah. But, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like in terms of building around your best player, I guess, like, obviously Anthony Davis not being there hurt, right? But also, I'm going with that. It didn't help that Anthony Davis didn't shoot the ball – that well this year. Like, he still put up his numbers. He didn't really shoot the ball that well from three or really, like, his jump shots didn't fall as much. Westbrook were kind of down here shooting, uh, like, outside jumpers. And so when you, when you couple that with also some of the other players, they had to funnel in on minimal deals. Like, the lane was a lot more clogged for LeBron to drive. Like, it just put a lot more miles on his body than I'm yeah. sure he wasn't really looking for at this stage. Yeah. But – I don't know like they I feel like they needed a consistent number 2. And for a while there was Malik Monk, then like I, I think Westbrook tried to like step up, you know, as number 2, but like you know, they just needed a consistent guy that they could kind of take pressure off LeBron and make shots. And then ultimately like they didn't defend anybody, right? Like they weren't good defensively. And I feel like another reason people were pretty upset was because they traded all their defense away in the offseason like they they didn't want to sign Caruso. They traded caldwell Pope. to us, their wing defenders right there. Um, yeah. Who else left? They I mean, Kuzma – Kuzma actually looked better defensively this year. Like, he looked – Kuzma had a pretty good year this year. So, you know, I, I don't know. Like, the Lakers could have done – you could say Lakers could have done anything, right? Like, you could say any organization yeah. could have made X, Y, and Z change. Like, you can always be the backseat driver. But, you know, they, they made what they did, and I, I'm happy they went with that full speed. It just so happened to not work out this season.
0: And I want to be fair, uh, and maybe you can speak on this a little bit because you have your own injury experience. You know, how taxing is it to go through these, you know, for AD to go through all these injuries, to constantly be rehabbing, you know, not just physically but mentally. How taxing is that to have to fight back over and over and over again?
1: And that shit sucks. Like, you know, no one's planning to go into a season. Like, you don't work your ass off in the summer or the offseason to then go in and get hurt. Like, you know, that shit sucks. And mentally it's just so fatiguing because – you're in this constant cycle of getting back, getting back, getting back. And I, I know it's just an athlete and I know it's a professional athlete, especially in LA with the fans, how they are, the media is going, doing saying whatever, like you want to come back. Like you just want to come back, right? Like maybe you don't take as much time as you need to always give back hundred percent, but you're like, as soon as the doctor's like, yeah, you're good. You're yeah. like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out there. Right. Cause you want to help your teammates. And you're like, F this, like, we're going to win and I'm, you know, I'm back now. But, you know, sometimes it's in the best interest to like kind of set out your body hundred percent. So when you do go back out there, there's no chance of re-injury. You're hundred percent confident in the way you move and the way you feel. um, And you're not limited. So, I mean, the the injuries are taxing. I mean, you can't really predict them, right? Like I hate when people are like, oh, he's always hurt. Like, oh, like, and, and I feel like the way they try to shape it is as if athletes are trying to get hurt. Like, you know, that's, no, it's not, you know, we don't put our bodies in line to, to get hurt. Having surgery sucks, like being in a cast sucks. So no one, like, wants to put their body through that. But, you know, it, it is very draining. Um, so I feel for him, and I'm sure it's draining being who he is in, in L.A.
0: Yeah, L.A. fans, we are ruthless. Uh, I will say that. Um, you know, and I think also to to your point, I know we've talked about this, I think even on the, the show before, uh, mm-hmm. then how much falls on your preparation in the off season to prevent, obviously you cannot prevent all injuries. Right. But mm-hmm. there are sometimes things that you are doing that you don't know you're doing that can make you more susceptible to different types of injuries. Um, and I, I think we had this conversation after you, after you had your surgery, you, you had to like relearn how to walk and, uh, you know the right way and put pressure on your joints the right way and and not be wearing them down, but actually, you know, set them up in a way that you can uh, really maximize your physical ability. How much of that pressure then falls on an Anthony Davis or or just any player really uh, to, if this is a constant, like kind of chronic problem you're seeing to to adjust that in the off season and and work towards, you know, some sort of fix. Is that easier said than done?
1: Yeah. I mean, as an athlete, you know, definitely as a professional athlete, it's on you to make sure your body works at its the best of its ability, right? And as we all know, our, all know the saying, our bodies are triple and you know you should take take care of your temp to the best of your ability. But it's it's on us to, as athletes, to make sure we're in the best physical condition, so to prevent injuries or prevent stuff like that. But sometimes stuffs freak accidents, right? Like you
0: can't
1: yeah. work out in the summer and prevent someone stepping on your foot or you rolling your ankle on someone's foot like you can't like those are actions like you there's nothing you can do about that or like someone elbows you in the face and you get a concussion like those are things that you can't really game plan for right like I don't know like a lot of people are saying Anthony Davis gained too much weight but I, I don't know like that's not for me to comment on like if he felt like he needed to gain weight to play better, and that's what him and his like people felt the need to do but I just know, like, I feel like when he hurt his ankle, like, he came down on somebody's foot. Yeah. And that's, like, an accident you can't prevent. Like, you can't say in the summer, oh, on December 21st, like, make sure this dude doesn't put his foot out when I shoot. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. Like, you can't really – like, you can't plan for that, you know. And if half the people that were talking about, like, and complaining about his injuries got out there, I'm sure they would get hurt every time they went out there. Or they would understand, like, after every game you have, like, something nagging about you, like – there's not – usually not many games you come out of the game. If it's a hard-fought game, like, it's scot-free, like, no no pain anywhere.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's just important, you you know, because a lot of times you don't hear this perspective or, or people aren't given the ability to, like, freely voice this. Uh, if they do, their are kind You're of right. – Especially, like, in the media and being a Los Angeles Laker, you know, um, the, the scrutiny is – kind of always there and and forever ongoing unless you're winning a championship. So um, Mm -hmm. I think hearing this perspective and and kind of hearing from your side of things, what that really is like, what goes into it all. And at the end of the day, some of it is out of your control. Some of it is just like Mm -hmm. freak accidents. And uh, you know, it does take a lot of mental fortitude to work through it, to fight back, to even get on the basketball court Mm -hmm. uh, after going through some of those things. So I think, you know, it's just important to keep that perspective. Um, but you know, I appreciate you taking the time to to do oh this. hold on, hold
1: on, now, Jay. We gotta you know, I, I now that you're you're in Hollywood, you're around moving people, you're not right. gonna ask mm-hmm. you about the slap.
0: The slap? You mean yeah. Will Smith? We're not talking about Will Smith slapping nobody of course.
1: That's what no, people no, need we're to not. hear the reaction. no one wants to the the hear Fencer that reaction. I don't, I don't were care. you watching that live?
0: uh no i was and then it for uh and then i got up into my apartment so i lost it and then everyone was freaking out and i and i found the video i didn't think it was real for i was like yeah that's crazy but i don't know i don't really want to get into it i just think that the the theory was <laughs> like, smith like laughed and then looked at jada and jada no, was right. yeah. happy and then he went up and slapped him just makes it kind of yeah. Like
1: he funny. thought, that's what I thought. It was crazy. He thought it was funny. Like he was definitely kind of with. First of all, the joke wasn't really that good. Like it was like a yeah, yeah like yeah, the yeah. DJ. It was yeah. all right. Like it was like a you look like this person kind of joke. Like great. Like that's not like that insulting. But seeing Will like kind of like go with the joke, especially in a setting like that where it's their job to kind of egg people on, and then yeah. you know Jada's like taken aback by Like you see her reaction, and um. I, I don't know. The whole this the whole thing, Chris having his hands behind his back, uh Will kind of yelling and then getting giving the speech. And I feel like kind of like doubling down on like I had to do it. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. I mean I told uh, Carla if it was me and I knew I was like, say I was up for like MVP award, right? And I knew I was gonna win it, and someone said a joke like, Oh, like Carla, you're ugly, like, and I laughed. And Carl looked at me like, you know, you got to do something. I would have definitely waited until I got the award.
0: After the, like, I would have went in the
1: back and be like, come on, man. You know,
0: yeah, 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 that was funny, but you chill out. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, you can't, you know, he reacted in a moment. It's an emotional reaction. It's not, you don't know what people are going through. And, you know, who knows what conversations they've had privately about what's going on. And, you know, Will Smith, I mean, Chris Rock made a joke and whatever happened happened and you know he's gonna have, he has to live with that and the decision he made and whatever consequences. does this know. hurt his legacy i don't think so i mean dude he's will smith he's will smith
1: does, does it hurt his legacy
0: i don't i don't think so to who who's yeah. defining his legacy like everyone like to Batman. you if
1: you're no you're you're as a movie fan this no not, like will not really now. i mean
0: i think it's just it was a silly move but like if that's what he felt he had to do in the moment, like, you know, he's apologized and and who knows what their actual conversation was like behind closed doors. I'm not privy to whatever conversations will and Jada have had. So, you know, it's just, do I think it's how I would have handled the situation? No, but I'm not him and, and I'm not on that stage. And I don't, you know, again, I don't know what their conversations are like, but you know, I think I would have liked to imagine I would handle it. Like you said, you, if you have a problem with what somebody said, all right, you know you go back there and you handle it you communicate how you're feeling and you move on because i think the one thing that was really upsetting about it was i think Questlove won the um that award or whatever mm-hmm. and i think the story i forget what it was but the, the story behind the what he won for and everything was like amazing and he was super mm-hmm. moved by winning the award and it's so overshadowed by those events so i think that would be the real real like Downside of all that is like it really kind of took away from everyone's night, mm-hmm. um and made it kind of all about that moment. But I don't think, I, I don't think it's like career ruining for. I mean, maybe he's lost some. Sport. Where wills boys
1: at? Let me just tell you, if you're up for man of the year, and you did some shit like that, Jake. If if I was if that, if I wasn't there, you'd have had 60 messages from from old Vic Law saying, Jake, what the hell is going on, man? I'm sure he I'm, bro, you'd have been like, I, I've already I booked my flight. I'll be there. At I'm, three sure hours. Did, right there. I'm sure
0: you did, I'm sure you did. Look, bro, let's go on? It's Hollywood. He went for it. I, I would say that the other sad thing that I do feel for him, like no matter how happy, maybe he's just fine. He won the award. Uh, it just sucks that he he wins that award for the first time, and it's that's not even what's discussed. It's it's the slap, you know. That's,
1: like, what, I, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's, he 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 was your night. It was your night. night.
0: One, he made it his night, one way or another, you know. It's just, he was
1: a favorite to win it. He could have, he could have held off. Like I what I'm saying it, he knew he was going to win the thing. He could have been like, all right, let me get the award. Yeah. And then I'll have my moment. Like he had just gotten the thing first and then been like, all right, you know, let's, you know, Chris, come on. Like he's worked with Chris before.
0: Something, you know, something must've triggered him. Cause you know, people have tried him probably for 40 years, you know, 30, 40 years, whatever. People have probably said more reckless stuff to him, probably worse. So you know he's held it together because you never heard about Will Smith getting in any trouble or anything. So I don't know what it was about that moment, you know, with Chris Rock, with that joke, with with what's going on with her that, like, finally made him act. But, you know, he did. I don't know. I'm not – I don't think it's as big of a deal. But, obviously, it's something to talk about. And
1: Well, I hope this isn't true, but I've I've been seeing tweets and stuff saying, like, Jada came out and said that she didn't really, she didn't like Will's actions. And he didn't need to do that and all oh, that stuff. And no. that's true. That, that, that
0: I, I'm not buying. No, I'm not falling for anything. If if she's tough. throwing him under the bus, which I don't like. The, <laughs> paraphrasing, you know, probably something made up, but like, yeah, yeah that yeah, would be true. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> him under the
1: bus. I'm not buying
0: that. I'm not buying it. I'm not. No, that.
1: So that's why told. That's why I told Carl. I was like, there's if. If she was actually, like, kind of going against him and being like, nah, like, I don't support none of that, that would be some of the wildest shit ever. Like, it wouldn't even matter, like, what happened. If she, like, didn't turn her back on, it, it would... Yeah. I, I'd be done. I'd be done with all whole that
0: No, that'd be crazy. I'm not, I'm not even going to get like,
1: it. Nah. Nah. No. It's, like, nah.
0: Nah, but it's, look, it, it is what it is. It's over. And, you know, the there will be... You know consequences for his actions, but again, you know I, I think I don't want to put too much stock into it. I think it's just kind of silly the whole thing. How much attention is I gotta been.
1: call? I gotta call Charlie and Julian see what see what they're, see what they're, they're saying should, about the whole you thing. Should. You should actually have. Well, an you answer. know Charles, you know Charles is a big time now. Well, he doesn't manage his phone anymore. You don't have. Well, he keeps.
0: He thinks he's just so good at basketball you gotta come when you come out to l you gotta play him one-on-one to remind him oh uh, well he
1: well he'd say he said he doesn't play me one-on-one anymore but i will i'll, I'll tell
0: him we can play two-on-one how about that me and you versus him yeah you'll
1: be, you'll be. i'll be the <laughs> defensive guy you be the offense
0: yeah can't be three and d without the three
1: can't ah uh, that's a new thing you can't yeah you three, can't say you was, i can't the three.
0: believe you told me that right before this call
1: you can't be three and D without the three, man. All right, man. I tell you, you
0: need the three. Well, appreciate you. Easy. We'll talk soon. Take care. Have Absolutely. You. Have a go. This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio. Sound editing by Rashad Allen. Music by James Grissom.